Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. The 223rd edition of the Four Corners Podcast starts right now. From the Basketball Podcast Network, this is the Four Corners Podcast. We win! 20 seconds left to play. Goes back to Michael Jordan. Jumper from out on the left. Good! Fred Brown looking. Oh, wait a worthy! Worthy five! The Tar Heels are going to win the national championship! Weber front court. Carolina with foul. He takes the timeout. Technical They're out foul. of timeout. Technical foul. Technical foul on Michigan. They're out of timeout. And the party is ready to begin on Franklin Street. Gets it back out to head. Long outside shot. Short rebounded. May. It's over. Carolina has won the national championship. 89-72. And how about them Tar Heels? They are the national champions. Pump fake for three. Too strong on the shot. That's it. The Tar Heels are the national gaggum champions. Love guarded by Keels, gets a screen, pulls up for three. Got it! Caleb from straight away! Here are your hosts, Josh Marlowe and Anthony Pagnotta. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Four Corners Podcast. We are powered by Carolina Electrical Services. Josh and Anthony, we're back with you guys once again today, getting you ready for, believe it or not, the final road game of the year as Carolina makes the trip down to Tallahassee, the always tough place to play, the Tucker Center. Well, they'll take on what's been a struggling, underwhelming, disappointing Florida State team. We're here to get you ready for tonight's matchup. We'll we'll break down the matchup with Florida State, get you up to date on everything you need to go about Carolina. We have a discussion or topic or two that we're going to go over before we give our keys to the game and pick the game. But we start every preview preview edition of the pod, as we always do, with the pod thought of the day, which is brought to you by DraftKings. And it comes from the name of Colin Powell, which that name sounds really familiar, but I couldn't quite remember who, what, where, or why that name may be familiar. Um, but his quote is, Success is the result of perfection, hard work, learning from failure, loyalty, and persistence. So he, I had to look it up because I wanted to make sure that I had his title right. He is the former United States Secretary of State. Okay, yeah, yeah, that's... Uh, under under President George W. Bush. Okay, yeah, I, I knew the name was familiar. I couldn't quite remember how or why I remembered that name. Now it does make a lot of sense. When you look at that quote and you kind of apply it to this team, you know, it's it's fair to say to the, the season to this point, not a success. And we kind of had a disagreement the other day about what a successful season would be for this team. I told you that, you know, expectation, you know expectations change during the year. I told you if they make the Sweet 16, I'd probably be satisfied. Um, but when you look at what the ingredients to success, according to him, perfection, hard work, learning from failure, loyalty, and persistence, 
the first one's really hard to achieve. Like, I mean, they're the only one perfect person's ever walked this earth. So it's, it's going to be really hard to, you know, ask for perfection when you're playing the game of basketball, but hard work, learning from failure, loyalty, and persistence. You know, um, I, I've really said through the, the, the course of the year that I've never once thought that the lack of success came from a lack of hard work. Um, or any, I was more of a lack of execution. I think this team has learned a lot from failure because they've had to handle a lot of failures so far this season, but they've stayed loyal and they stayed persistent. And all of that kind of came out in that win against Virginia, where, you know, that was arguably the best performance we've seen from Carolina all season long at a time where they needed it the most. And, you know, now the goal, now the challenge, now the obstacle is for that to carry over to uh, to to this game against Florida State. And, you know, when you go back to the preseason and we identified this game, we would have probably thought this game had major ACC tournament ramifications on the line, maybe to, to win the conference. Maybe it was for, you know, for Florida State. Maybe it was them playing their way into a double bye. Um, in terms of the ACC for Carolina, they they can still improve their standing. They're not going to get the double bye in the tournament, but they can, you know, they can definitely improve their seeding for Florida State. They're now just playing for pride because they come in at nine and twenty overall. They are seven and eleven in the league, though, so that just goes to show you just how bad of a non-conference season Leonard Hamilton's squad has. But they are coming off a dramatic upset win at their rival Miami over the weekend where Matthew Cleveland hit a shot at the buzzer. But, um, you know, th this is the game between the coming off the biggest win of the year uh, ahead of the, 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 I'm trying to, what's the best, the, the next biggest game of the year where you also renew your rivalry with Duke. So this is a good old-fashioned trap game against a very uh, experienced head coach with a team that's coming off its best one of the year, looking to find another way to kind of salvage what's been a lost season. And for Carolina, a loss in this game would put them kind of back in the position they've been now for the last week or so in a spot where they'd have to win the ACC tournament to make the NCAA tournament. So uh, make no mistake about it, even though Florida State's record isn't impressive, Carolina does have their work cut out for them, and they're going to have to play one of their best games on the road so far this season to come away with another much-needed victory. Yeah, I mean, trap game is is about the easiest way to describe this game, and, and it's what Carolina at this point just has to be wary of. Uh, you know, this is an easy game to overlook because, yeah, this team, this team has been terrible for the majority of the year. Um, there were a couple of times in conference play where we thought maybe they were starting to get it going, but they never really were able to put it together. Uh, but the thing is, is that remember, this was a team that in the preseason, a lot of people felt, and maybe some of that was more just everybody was kind of basing it on Leonard Hamilton and how great of a coach he was. A lot of people felt like this was going to be a pretty good team this year. Um, many people felt, including myself, felt like this was probably a team that would finish inside the top five in the ACC, maybe sixth at the lowest. 
Um, that has not been even remotely the case. This is a team that uh, during, you know, has lost to teams like Stanford, uh, Siena, and probably most notably Stetson early in the year. Hatters, baby. So it has been a really, really rough season for them. But as you mentioned, you know, despite, you know, coming into the game the other day against their rival Miami having lost four straight, they find a way to pull the upset on the road there against a team that I think we all thought was the best team in the ACC at this point, moving, you know, moving forward. We, of course, saw Virginia. That's a team that has so many question marks offensively. You wouldn't put them up there. Um, NC State, yeah, they proved it, that this is just like, I'm not going to say just like every other NC State season, um, but State Bleep happened to them the other day, and that's hilarious. Um, so now, you know, the que- that you thought Miami, well, they're probably going to run away with it. Well, now they suffer this loss. Um, leaves in question, you know, what the uh, who, who will actually win the ACC regular season. Pittsburgh, believe it or not, now back in the running for that. But more importantly for Carolina is this is a team that just showed they are more than capable of beating a team that is better than you right now. I mean, look, you, you played really well the other day against Virginia Tech, but you just played Miami a couple of weeks ago and you lost to them. That, that's a legitimate basketball team. So you have to come prepared for this one, not to mention it is in their place. So, you know, for Carolina, it's, it's important for them to be focused in this game. Um, I know that everybody is telling you, look, that game against Duke is huge. You kind of need that one. Well, you need this one too, because this is the they type of game. Oh yeah. But this is the type of game that, it can't help you. It can't. It can sure as hell hurt you, though. So that's the thing that Carolina has to be aware of in this game is that, look, if you lose this game, it's over. Like, and let you would then have to win the ACC tournament, no questions asked. Um, and, and, and I, I mean, you would have to think that not only would it be, you know, it, it would put you in a win-out scenario when you get to the tournament, it would also that would be a huge blow to the momentum of this team. Like this feels like we have had moments like this throughout the year where Carolina has gotten some nice momentum, and you've said to yourself, "Okay, is this where the season starts to turn around?" This time, there there's no there's no question. It has that has to be the answer. It can't be. Well, you know, then we'll have the Duke game and we'll we'll re-energize ourselves. No, no, no. Now, you you just won against Virginia. This has to be the moment where you start looking like the team that we thought you were in the preseason, even to a certain extent. So uh, it's huge, and Carolina just has to come out and focus because, yeah, this is, this is a team that has some talent, but if Carolina is locked in and ready to go, they should be able to win this game, no questions asked. Yeah, when you look at Florida State, as we mentioned, nine and twenty overall, seven and eleven in the league. Um, but they do have four guys that are averaging double figure scoring, led by Matthew Cleveland's fourteen point three points, seven point seven rebounds, one point nine assists, uh, shooting forty six percent from the field, thirty eight percent from three. 
Darren Green Jr., 13.9 points, three rebounds, two assists. He's shooting 40% from the field, 38% from three. Caleb Mills, 13 points per game, three rebounds, 3.6 assists. He's shooting 40% from the field, 29% from three. Then they have Cameron Fletcher, 10.8 points, seven and a half rebounds, 1.1 assists. He's shooting 39% from the field, 33% from three. And they enter this game 219th in the net ranking. So that would qualify as a detrimental loss for Carolina's tournament hopes. When you look at this game from a Carolina perspective, they are 18 and 11 uh, overall on the year. They're now 10 and 8 in the ACC. Um, this uh, this isn't a quad one game. We look at their resume: Carolina one and nine in quad one games. Uh, Carolina just three and seven on the road this year. Like Florida State, the Heels do have four players averaging double figure scoring. Still led by the big fella Armando Baycott, seventeen points per game, ten point nine boards, fifty six percent shooting. Caleb Love, sixteen point nine points, three point seven rebounds, two point seven assists. 38% shooting from the field, 31% shooting from behind the arc. R.J. Davis, 15.7 points, 5.1 rebounds, 3.3 assists, 42% shooting from the field, 33% shooting from behind the three-point line. And Pete Nance back in double figures per averages, 10.2 points, 6 rebounds, 1.6 assists, 43% shooting from the field, 32% uh, shooting from behind the arc. Carolina averages 39.9 rebounds per game, which is eighth most in the country, and 28.6 rebounds per game, defensive rebounds per game, which is also eighth in the country. Uh, Carolina's net is 47th, which leads us to the two discussion topics I want to have before we get into our keys to the game. Is And we kind of noted this when talking about the Virginia recap but i wanted to save the the actual discussion for this preview and so after carolina beat virginia their net ranking didn't improve they stayed where they entered that game at which was 47th yet virginia who entered the day 21st in the net fell all the way down to 28th which means that if they fall outside the top 30 carolina no longer has a quad one win on its resume, which would be a death blow to their NCAA tournament hopes. And I think this is something that college basketball junkies, lifers like you and I are frustrated with. Um, and then the casual fan that is trying to get into this time of the year when college basketball kind of takes center stage, they're also kind of confused as to what the net does. And I, I think here's the thing about the net. Um, is it the best way to pick the best teams to make the NCAA tournament? The answer is no. Um, the old system with the RPI and the BPI and those metrics, I think, did a much better job at picking the teams to make the NCAA tournament. Um, I think if you just go off of that that, that track record, and, of course, we have a shorter time with the net ranking system. But if you just look at its track record, I think more often than not, that was 
a, a really good metric to get the best teams to compete and the greatest uh, sporting event we have here in America. But while as much as it's failed the actual tournament itself, the one thing it has done is the one thing that the tournament itself does on a consistent basis, and it's created drama. And it has created talking points. And for the talking heads at primarily ESPN, and then, of course, CBS Sports and Fox, when they want to spend three weeks really giving college basketball its limelight, they get to talk all about the drama that this net system has created when you're looking at teams that are trying to make the NCAA tournament. Because if you were to look at Carolina's record and you know their net and their quad one metric, there's really no reason in the world that team should be NCAA, under NCAA tournament consideration. But because of some of the flaws that, exe- that exist in the net, where they haven't really had detrimental losses, they they have a healthy enough of a resume that if they get another quad one quad one win or two, they're going to find themselves competing in March Madness. And so I think it's something that I really just I, I'm trying to come to peace with because I don't I don't agree with it. I don't like what it's what it what it does and I don't like the way that it goes about helping this committee select teams to compete to compete in the tournament but on the flip side for a sport that doesn't get all promoted until the really the 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 middle to end of February this does help the promotion for champ week and of course the NCAA tournament which you and I are both in agreement is the most drama filled sporting event we get to watch here in North America Oh, no doubt about it. At the same time, this is this is just asinine. There, there's just no way around this. And I'll tell you exactly why. Um, Virginia goes from 21st to 28th in the net rankings, right? We 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 you established that just a minute ago. NC State, after their loss the other day, keep in mind, got just pounded by Clemson. Absolutely embarrassed. They go from 36 to 42nd. So they only drop six spots. Virginia drops seven spots. How does that? I, I just, it does not, it, the, the formulas don't make any sense. Another team like Iowa State, a team that loses to Oklahoma, who I, I don't know what their exact record is. Let me see if I can find them on here. I think they're like one game, they're either one game above 500 or they're exactly at 500 at this point. Um, they fall five spots. Oklahoma, 14 and 15. They fall five spots after losing that game. Keep in mind, very similar game to how Carolina played. And they were at home as well. They only fall five spots from 17th to 22nd. It just, it's it's extremely confusing. And here's the thing. While Virginia drops, Duke does move up. They, they move up five spots in the net ranking. So that game that we thought was in danger of not being a quad one game, you would expect that will probably end up being a quad one game. Although at this point, I have no idea. If they lose to NC State, I really don't know what could possibly happen. But, I, I mean, you conventional wisdom would tell you NC State's a good enough team. 
where you wouldn't have to worry about them dropping that far. Um, but Virginia, yeah, we have no idea at this point. It's going to depend what on what they do down the stretch here. So I, I don't know. I have no idea. And at that point, you know, let's say Virginia does drop out of quad one. Carolina still wins against Duke. Are they in? I mean, I would still, like, we were laying out the scenario that as long as they went out, they're in. But in in that case, a lot of people have said Carolina kind of needs a second quad one win. The other question becomes how far would they have to advance in the ACC tournament to pick up that second quad one win? Because at this point, it's very plausible that they may have to advance all the way to the final before they would face another quad one team because Carolina or Carolina, the ACC only has one quad or two quad one teams at this point. So I don't know. I I just, I guess it's, yeah, it's interesting because it's talking points, but it's incredibly frustrating because Right now, I mean, you're you're looking at, at scenarios where Carolina could win out, could do exactly what we told them they had to do. And in the mind of the committee, they could still not be good enough to even be in the tournament field at that point. Like this, as of right now, Carolina is a team that is in the tournament. They are one of the last four in. Uh, well, but it, it, depending on how things go with the net, they could literally win out and drop from the last four in into the next four out. If we're being, if what we're being told by Joe Lenardi and the bracketologist are right. Yeah. You know, I think when you look at it from a Carolina perspective, I don't think the net will be something that you can blame because of all the, the, the opportunities that you had that you, you lost. Um, I, I but it, it is something that, you, you know, it, it's, this is something that I think the NCAA has to has to address, and whether it's it's cleaning up its metrics or scrapping it all together, I just think those of us that that have followed this sport all along realize that they understand that this this creates even more talking points. Which, as a college basketball junkie, I am here for it. Like I I I, I love I love that that drama. And stuff like that. But on the flip side, like when we get to Selection Sunday and we get the bracket, you know, I don't think that this is doing as good a job as the old way of doing it was. And at some point, they've got to make a decision. Is the drama worth worsening your product? And I, I think I think for them, that answer is yes, because there as long as their TV ratings aren't hurting their pockets aren't hurting and we all kind of know that that's kind of what the NCAA is all about moving back into this game uh you know in in, in particular you know we we said it point blank this is a this is a trap game this is this is as cl- as, as as a good old fashioned trap game as there has ever been you know, this season and really in a in a long time, really for Carolina basketball, how concerned are we about a letdown? Because I think that's the that's the one thing about this team is a lot like last year. Didn't really trust them until they went into Cameron Indoor Stadium 
and one on the final uh, day of the regular of, of the regular season. But that team built towards that moment. They'd won, I think it was 10 and 12 up to that point. They built to to getting that type of moment. Carolina's won back-to-back games, and I do think that they built off of the Notre Dame win in the win over Virginia on Saturday. But uh, I, I still think there is some doubt that exists in everyone's mind. But I got to tell you, I, I'm not as concerned as I probably should be because I saw that I, I saw a team play with desperation the other night. And those of you that have listened to the, since we've been the four corners podcast, as long as, and then we were, when we were the Roy's boys podcast, I'd always say that if Carolina plays desperate, they're a really tough team to beat no matter who they're playing, where they're playing, no matter what, because of the talent that you have, the depth that you have and the coaching that you have. And I, I think that what it what it took was Huber Davis publicly saying post Notre Dame, we're playing for our lives. And when you hear your coach say that, that that brings about a different level of pressure and expectation when you walk on the court. That team played for their life the other night against Virginia. I don't think they're going to rest on their laurels after one game. I still think you're going to get a team that's going to be hungry and motivated to pick up a win because they know if they lose this game, they put themselves in an even tougher position to make the field of 68. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's just, it's tough to say with this team, honestly. Um, You know, you're, you're hoping that this is what, you know, sort of woke them up and allowed them to turn the corner. Really the, the game against Notre Dame is the one that you'll probably look back at if this team is to make the NCAA tournament, if they're able to make a run, whatever. Um, I just, yeah, I I mean, I I think there is reason to be confident that they will get the job done because they said that you, you saw that mindset that I talked about in the game against the Cavaliers the other day. It's just about carrying that over into this game. And I maybe, I I think, you know, when I was watching the game yesterday, I said to myself, the the Florida State game that was, I said to myself, man, that might be the worst thing that could have happened for Carolina because that team's going to come in there confident. But maybe it's not. Maybe it's the best thing that happened to Carolina because maybe that is going to have them focused and and you know, really saying to themselves, look, this team just beat the number 13 team in the country. The team that, you know, a lot of people feel like is is going to have the best chance to go deep out of the ACC teams in the NCAA tournament. So, yeah, I, I, I think this might actually end up working out for Carolina and it may allow them to carry a little bit of extra focus into this game uh, th- that's the thing though, is they just, they have to bring it. Um, and it has to be from the word go. You cannot bank on, you know, having a similar recipe to what you did against Notre Dame, because there's no guarantee that a team is going to struggle the way that Notre Dame did, uh, down the stretch. This team, you know, like I said, th- there is legitimate talent on this Florida state team. That's why it is so shocking that this team is nine and 20. 
Um, you know, they had guys last year that a lot of people thought were going to take bigger steps this year, and it just it it just hasn't really happened for them so far this year. Like Matthew Cleveland, I mean, he's been good, but he hasn't been great. Uh, Caleb Mills has been really solid as well, but we really thought this was going to be a team that would have, you know, arguably one of the better scoring duos in the entire conference in Cleveland and Mills. And it just hasn't turned out that way. Like this is a team so far this season that's averaging 70.1 points per game, which is 218th in the country. Their biggest thing too, is they really struggle defensively. So this is another game where Carolina's offense, if they're focused, can get into a rhythm and, you know, establish themselves for what is going to be a tough game against Duke on, you know, when they have to face that team defensively, considering what Duke did to them the first time, Um, you know, they, that was one of the best defensive performances we've seen against Carolina so far this year. I mean, part of it was that Carolina wasn't able to knock down shots, but Duke did a really good job defensively in that game. So for Carolina, it's going to be about getting your offense in rhythm coming into that one. And this is a team that you should be able to do that against. I mean, they allowed 84 points the other day in their loss or in their win uh, against Miami. So, I mean, Carolina just, it's, it's all about the mindset that they're bringing into this game. And they they should be they should be weary of of what's on the line here and how capable this team is of pulling upsets. Yeah, and so I I think you know Huber Davis's message after the the Virginia win was that he didn't allow his team to not be locked in because he kind of set the tone. I think that's going to carry over um, into this game. And so when we come back here on the four on the four corners podcast we are going to break down this game we'll give our keys to the game pick the game uh before we do get out of here but first we're going to take a quick break we're going to get you the latest offer we have from DraftKings. then when we come back we'll give our keys to the game we'll pick the game that's coming up next on the four corners podcast back after this message from DraftKings. NBA fans, it's time to bring the hoops action to the palm of your hand with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. This week, new customers can bet $5 and win $200 in bonus bonus bets instantly. Plus, for a limited time, all new and existing customers can get a no-sweat same-game parlay every day. Go to DraftKings Sportsbook app today. Opt in and place a same-game parlay on any NBA game. And if it doesn't hit, you'll get a bonus back. Guys, I do this all the time with over-unders. I do it with the first three-pointer that's going to be made by Stephen Curry or, 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 or you know, Ja Morant, LaMelo Ball, whatever it is. Do all these same-game parlay actions at DraftKings Sportsbook. And you can do so by downloading the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and sign up with the promo code TBPN. New customers can bet $5 on the NBA and get $200 in bonus bets instantly only at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA with code TBPN. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions do apply. See show notes for details. 
We really hope you guys are taking full advantage of the Lost Grid offers I've been giving you here on the Four Corners podcast. Same for Anthony over there on the Heel Tough blog podcast. Let's dive back in now to our keys to the game for the game against the Knowles. Um, the first one I have is kind of just picking up where we left off about a letdown, and it comes. It, it starts all with being ready to play. Um, and I think it's something that we'll be able to tell at the first media timeout. What version of this team did we are we getting? Are we getting locked in, dialed in Carolina that's going to come out here, play hard, play with a level of desperation, and, and, and compete their tail off and try to get a win? Or are we going to get a team that is, you know, going to be feeling good about what they did the other night and, you know, and not be ready to play. Saturday, Monday turnarounds are tough. Um, I, I hate them. I wish they didn't. I wish they didn't exist. But that's what Carolina's got to overcome. And you know, with Florida State being as bad as they have been this year, I don't think it'll be the normal hostile environment that you have to get, deal with when you go to Tallahassee. There will still be a decent crowd because Carolina's in the building. But I also do think. With them being as bad as they've been, this does allow for Carolina to have a little bit more fans in the building as well because, as we all know, that Carolina basketball does have a national fan base, and, and that might help them. But, um, you know, tired is an excuse. No, no, there, There's no excuses to not be able to come out and be ready to, and be ready to go. And, you know, I, I think they were ready to go against Notre Dame a few weeks ago or last week, they just they just simply couldn't make shots because they defended their tail off while they shot, you know, one of the worst uh, halves in the history of the program. And so I think that's where it all starts, is that I think if if Carolina comes ready to play, because they'll, they'll be more invested in this game than Florida State will be, uh, then I think you could see them doing in this game what they did against Virginia that night, which is setting the tone early, and then dictating the way the game is going to be played from there on out to where you could control and manage things the rest of the way. And um, so I think if Carolina comes out with a fast start, I think that lends a lot more likely to them getting another road win to close out the uh, the road portion of the regular season. Yeah, I mean, that, that's that's the thing, is that you just have to get out to a, a fast start. I mean, even – you even if you don't grab a significant lead. I mean, that would be nice, but just, I mean, on the offensive end, get yourself in a rhythm early in the game. Don't make it to where you have to bank on making shots late in the game. I I think, you know, this is a Florida state team that is really, really bad at defending the three point line. I mean, they are 341st in the country in three point percentage allowed. The thing is, though, I think early in this game, Carolina's got to look inside. Um, and that's that's the one thing that I do worry about a little bit, uh, considering the, the amount of success that they had early in the game the other day against Virginia with the three ball. But that's that that's where you have to initiate your offense. Get some looks inside early for both Armando Baycott and Pete Nance. And let this offense sort of get into rhythm. And if they can do that, I feel like they're going to have a good chance to win this game because, yeah, uh, this team scored 85 the other day against Miami. But as I mentioned earlier, 
Florida State's not a well-oiled offensive machine. They they still have, you know, a lot of questions on the offensive end of the floor. So I I think that's the recipe for success in this one for Carolina is you you've got to be able to score points. And so your offense has to get rolling early. Uh, I, I think they're they're capable of doing that in this game. And hopefully the shots will keep falling from the outside as well. If they do, that would be huge for this team. But uh, I, I think it's all going to be initiated by what they do playing inside out. Yeah, no, um, I, I think that was kind of another little mini key I had to this game was for Carolina to build off of the things they did well on offense primarily starting with Pete Nance. Um, it, he, it, he's got to, he had the double, double against Notre Dame. He had 22 points the other, the other night against Virginia on seven to 10 shooting. So now, you know, you do it for a third straight game, we'll call it a hot streak. And then, um, I think it starts with him. Like Huber Davis said, you know, he's got to make perimeter shots because it makes the game easier for everybody else, but I don't want to see Carolina abandon playing high-low basketball because Nance is the best entry passer on the team. I don't know if that's a good thing or not, but that's just a fact. And, you know, he knows how to get Armando Baycott the ball, where to get Armando Baycott the ball so he can go to work and make plays around the rim. As for R.J. Davis, just building off of that rhythm that he had the other night where a shot selection was good, and that's why, to me, it was a surprise. He shot 50% overall, both from the field and from behind the three-point line. Uh, and then, you know, more more primarily for Carolina, road game, these things always pop up. Limit turnovers, defend the three-point line. Pick six turnovers have killed them on the road and virtually every road loss this season. And then their ability to defend the three-point line, you know, Cleveland and Green Jr., both guys shoot 38% from behind the arc. But Caleb Mills is a is, is a quality shooter. He's a lot like where Caleb Love and R.J. Davis have been, where he just, you know, his numbers don't reflect how good of a shooter he really is. Cameron Fletcher, he shoots 33% from the field. You know, they're going to space the floor there, you know, so Carolina's got to defend on the perimeter. But if it, I think it does come back to the turnovers because – and Carolina committed 12 of them against Virginia the other night. And had Carolina gotten beat, that would have been a number that we would have pointed at and said, hey, can't do that. Uh, but their last road game, they committed nine. And that was at Notre Dame. And that was with, the, with just one turnover in the second half. You mentioned the offensive issues that uh, Florida State has had this season. So you don't want to give them easy runouts at the rim. You don't want to give them – transition layups, dunks, or three-pointers that could get whatever crowd that's going to be present a little bit uh, a little bit more excited and give them something uh, more to cheer about. So that's that's really my second key. It, it really ties in together. You know, we talked about, um, you know, building off of what they did on offense as well. Is there anything else you're going to keep an eye on uh, in this game for Carolina as they try to pick up a third straight win? Well, I, I think, first of all, I do think, you know, a lot of the points that you made there are great, especially I think the Thank turnovers, you. you're you're 100% right, because this is a team that, you know, for a team that struggles the way that this team does, 
Um, and I think, you know, go back to that, that first half against Notre Dame, you know, when you turn the ball over eight times, you allowed a team that is struggling, you know, in, in whatever way, I mean, for Notre Dame, it was really on both ends of the floor for this team. I think it's, it's kind of the same, the, the same way, um, you, you allow that team to, you know, get easy buckets. I mean, for, for a team that has let up a lot of points like Florida state, it'll allow them to keep you off the scoreboard. And really the biggest thing is, is it's going to take you out of rhythm. And that's the thing when, when this offense gets out of rhythm, man, it's tough to get it back on track sometimes. When, when Carolina has looked their best on the offensive end of the floor, it's really been when they've put together good first halves. So I, I think that's really the biggest thing, you know, like we talked about with the first key is getting off to a fast start. But going, you know, when, when it comes to, you know, what, what goes into that, I think it's it's really just about being smart. Like the turnovers are there, but also it's the shot selection. You know, that that was something that I thought the other day, for the most part, was pretty good. Um, you know, there were a couple of shots. There were some shots that went down in that first half, primarily that second three from uh, Puff Johnson, where I was like, okay, what is that shot? And it goes in. But um, I, I think that's going to be the biggest thing. It's just being smart about the shots that you can get. They sort of have to feel it out early because I thought, you know, you look at that game against Virginia – the other day, I thought it was the tale of two halves in that the first half, you saw Carolina's offense really came from perimeter shooting um, and and good ball movement. I think in the second half, a lot of it was based on just getting to the free throw line, getting downhill. Carolina's got to feel out what's going to work early in this game against Florida State and, and really allow themselves – to, you know, find the, the shot selection that is going to allow them to be most successful. But the other thing that I think goes into it for Carolina in this one, something they didn't do the other day against Virginia, and it's always tough because Virginia is a team that take care takes care of the basketball well, but they have to force turnovers in this game. This is a Florida State team that turns the ball over 12.3 times per game. It's not – you know, near the top of the country by any stretch of the imagination, but it's still 192nd in the country. So for Carolina, creating these easy buckets on the other end of the floor, I think is going to be important. And the way to do that is to rebound the ball well, which they should be able to do in this game regardless. This team is 340th in the country in rebounding. Carolina should be able to dominate the glass for the most part, in this game. Um, I think the thing is, can they force the turnovers to go along with that to allow them to get that offense out in space and get some of those easy baskets? If they can, I feel like this could be a relatively comfortable game for Carolina, which is kind of what I feel like this team really needs in this game. I, I mean, look, Regardless, it's really just about winning this one. Find any way that you can. But I think it would be really, really comforting for this team if they were to find a way to really not – you don't even have to blow out 
Florida State. But if you could have a comfortable lead for most of the night and not have to play one of those games where you have to just find a way to execute late and nerves are on edge the entire game, I think that might be that that might be a great thing for this team's mindset overall. Carolina enters the game with an 81% chance to win the game, according to ESPN's matchup predictor. And I think they get the job done. I think they win their third straight. I think they push that record to 19 and 11 overall, 11 and 8 in the league, and more importantly, avoid a loss that would uh, make their path to the in, into the NCAA tournament that much tougher. I don't know if it's going to be pretty. Don't know if it's going to be easy. I think the team's going to win because I think they know what's at stake, what's on the line. And they don't they don't want to be remembered by, by by being a team that couldn't get the job done. So um I, I I think Carolina wins to avoid a loss in the trap game heading into that all important game at home against our hated rival, the Duke Blue Devils. I agree with you. I think Carolina gets the job done. Um this, you know, again, sort of fits into the what I deemed the Notre Dame game, a you better game. Um, and I think that this this time they will handle it much better. Um, you know, I'm a little concerned about the Saturday Monday turnaround. This is not something that this team this year is as familiar with as some of the teams that we've had in the past, where they seem to love to give Carolina those Saturday Monday turnarounds. But I I think they are going to be ready. I really do think that. That speech, the the the, mul- the multiple speeches at the halftime of that Notre Dame game is what really woke this team up. And I, I think this is a team that's going to come in focused. I think they get off to a really solid start on the offensive end of the floor. And I think Carolina finds a way to pull out a comfortable win over Florida State, setting up for a huge, huge game in the Smith Center on Saturday night against the Duke Blue Devils. No matter the result, we'll have you covered on HeelToughBlog.com where you can find a preview to the game. Of course, I'll have you cover with a recap posted the night of the game as well as I continue to take you through the remainder of the college basketball season. Of course, we'll have the Duke game covered for you, the ACC tournament, and then if Carolina's in the NCAA tournament or the NIT, we'll have you covered on that front as well as for the podcast guys you know where to find us every major podcasting platform just simply search the four corners podcast and we will pop up we're there we encourage you guys to rate and review the podcast but more importantly we want you to hit that subscribe button that way you don't miss any editions of the show throughout the remainder of the basketball season well with that guys it is going to wrap up this edition of the show. I want to thank Anthony for hosting with me. I want to thank you guys for listening. And as always, go Tar Heels. Guys, it just doesn't get any sweeter than that.